am Nana. And I'm Bonquillo, and this is African.American. This is a show about children of African immigrants and African immigrants themselves living in the United States. Okay. <laughs> That's a nice tagline. Thank you, Nana for explaining also, all the different communities that are relevant to the show. <laughs> you're most welcome. My pleasure. And uh, the topic today is a bittersweet one. Um, we are going to be discussing the passing of former Ghanaian, I was going to say pastor, <laughs> former <laughs> Ghanaian. <laughs> the pastors have certainly been in the news lately. Yeah, of course. Uh, former Ghanaian president, Jerry Rollins, um, his passing and 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 more so in a larger context of like what happens and how we discuss leaders particularly african leaders with complicated legacies so to get us started to be fair i know who jerry rollins is very vaguely i know he was president of ghana i remember seeing pictures of him in military costumes mm-hmm. i know he staged give or take two and a half coups, two that were successful, one that wasn't. But if you can give us a little more background, Nans. I can certainly tell you what I know. I don't know if I'm sure some of them have historical basis. <laughs> I, I did I did live through uh, most of his presidency. Uh, I was born into when he was head of state um, before Ghana became a democracy. But he's the only president you knew. He's the only Ghanaian president I lived through, at least while living in Ghana. But he, JJ, as he's affectionately known, (laughs) Jerry Okay, I was like, why is it JJ, not JR? It just is really... (laughs) Some people used to say Junior Jesus. Girl. Okay. His his name is Jerry John Rawlings, um, so that's where the JJ comes from. But he Is was born Jerry short for like Jeremiah. I'm getting Google, deep in the can, weeds. You can go into Wikipedia for that. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Why go there when I got you right here? I don't know all that. He was born in Accra. He was born to an Ewe mother who Ewe's are an ethnic tribe in Ghana and a Scottish father. He went to the elite Achimota school in Ghana. This is the same school that Mugabe, where Mugabe was also trained. And around 1968, he was being trained as a pilot officer. So let me lay a slight layer of the land as to the political climate in Ghana at the time. So let's go all the way back to when we declare um, independence from British rule. So under Nkrumah, Nkrumah was our first head of state after independence from the British. The nation was an, a one-party state. In 1966, a coup happened where Nkrumah was ousted. A period of military coups and failed civilian governments ensued thereafter. Economically, Ghana was having a very tough time. There was no food. There was no soap. Everything was monopolized. There was one person telling, like, literally everything. So in 1972, a champon who be- becomes the head of state stages a bloodless coup against Kofi Buzia. A champon becomes head of state. Now, a champon is then uh, ousted in another coup by his second in command. And this was happening when JJ was actually uh, a soldier in the army, but he was not involved. His second in command, Champon's second in command, Akufu, gets rid of the Champon government, and Akufu becomes head head of state. 
Now, it was during the Akufu period where Rawlings stages a one-man coup because apparently it said that he didn't pass his exams. So he, he was failing and he was about to be thrown out of the military. So he stages a one-man coup. It fails. So this was May 15th, 1979. He's arrested and put on trial. The trial is televised because the government tries to kind of make an example of him. Don't start a coup. This is what's going to happen to you. It's during this trial that JJ actually comes into the public eye because it is said that during this trial, he picks up the mic and basically speaks to the nation saying that he is not a an expert in law and or economics however he knows what it is to go to bed hungry now remember economically it was tough in ghana so a lot of the civilians a lot of the ghanaian people supported him and they saw him as a hero um, for speaking up rawlings is actually sentenced to death Uh, so they send him to prison awaiting his um, death on june 4th 1979 is where the first school attributed to Rawlings actually takes place. However, he apparently had nothing to do with it. On June 4th, another another guy um, decides to, Bwachijan, it said, decides to overthrow the Akufu government. Stages a coup, and it's very successful because he has the trust of both the younger uh, military officers and also the older. And so both trusted him. You know, there had been rumors of a coup, but nobody expected that it was him who was leading it. He knows that J.J. has the, the people. He breaks J.J. out of jail and makes him the public face of the coup. He's controlling everything on the, uh, in, in the back end. So it was during this time where they caught a bunch of senior officers during the school. This was not a bloodless school, unlike the previous coups. They killed a, a whole lot of um, officers and caught three of the heads of states, um, a champion included, Ekofo, and basically death by firing squad killed them. Now, again, Rawlings is the face. Um, so everybody sees him as, oh, he was the one who staged the coup, but really it's not him. In September 1979, they handed over the government government control to a civilian, Hilal Liman. So after Liman took over, the people who, who are said to have been behind the coup were actually sent abroad to go study. So when they went, Rawlings sought to take over galvanized power. So this was when he went in and overthrew the Liman government. And this is where I think Rawlings' legacy really takes a hit, because it's at this period in time where they gathered three judges um, who were actually trying soldiers who had been involved in one of the previous coups. They went to the judges' homes, took them out of their homes, took them somewhere, and secretly murdered them. They abducted and killed countless others as well. Judge the... The justice, the Supreme Court justices, and their names were Cecilia Coran Tang Adao. Forgive mm-hmm. me for not saying the names perfectly. Frederick Sarkodie. Sarkodie, yeah. And Kwajo Ajepong. 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 So those those three plus uh, the abduction of over three hundred Ghanaians. And it is said that they did all of this because they had Rawlings had been implicated in some of the cases, so he wanted it all to go away. So he murders these folks and he murders countless others. Just make sure you weren't against him 
because it's either you were dead, your family was in peril, or you had to go to exile. He turned against the people. Ghana was still going through some tough economic times. I think not unlike the rest of the world, um, especially in the 70s. Apparently, his regime would put gunpowder and pepper together and douche women, um, basically leading women to lose their uterus. They made old men eat feces. They whipped women over their private parts. Just make sure that you weren't considered to be living in largesse, like you weren't allowed to have more than one soap. If you were caught, you were beaten, you were murdered. Just make sure you never spoke out against the government. Otherwise, you would need to go into exile or die. They will harass your family. Um, there was really a fear in Ghana. You dare not speak against the government. Ghana was still in, in, in their economic, the economic situation did not change. Ghana needed aid and international donor agencies would not give Ghana any money. Now, Rawlings, you must understand, Rawlings was seeking to consolidate power. He leaned towards socialism. Some of his friends were Fidel Castro. And so he didn't willingly go into democratic rule. He needed to do that because Ghana needed international donor agencies to help. So that was when in 1992, he just ushered Ghana into democracy. He They run the election. He wins the election 53%. I mean, you must understand people were afraid. One, some people didn't know what was going on. Two, I mean, some people in Ghana still do not know what's going, what happened back then, because it's not, it's something that's not talked about, really. Rawlings stays in power through 2001. Um, so democratically, 1992 through 2001. And... Basically, another election is held. Somebody else comes to power, Kofor. We've lived under democratic rule for how long now? And people are afraid to speak out um, politically because they are afraid that there is going to be repercussions. And I think a few weeks ago, we, we had an episode on the U.S. elections and how a lot of Africans are hesitant to speak out outside of their homes. And, you know, this is a perfect example why. Because people have lived through military rule leadership where, you know, speaking out meant you would die or that your family would be in great peril. That is the history that I know. Well, thank you for that. It's always good to get some perspective from, you know, people who are on the ground and experience or have experienced certain things or understand things from, you know, the perspective of somebody who has lived through it. Human beings are complicated. Certainly. And it's always interesting when someone passes to think about the ways that we begin to frame their life accomplishments. You know, you always think about like what, that's a copyright, borrowed from copyrighted Hamilton material, but like who, you know, you have no control who lives, who dies, who tells your story. Uh-huh. And what what's that line? The sentence that's going to be known about you. And so maybe we can talk about that in the context of, of Rollins, but also in, in of African leaders or leadership in general. I think we, I guess it was last year this time we had a telephone episode, right, about Mugabe. Yeah, yeah. And again, it was, it's complicated because there's this person who was really important to Zimbabwe, a really important figure to the African continent. But the beginning of the story and the end of the story, there was some there was a difference and a contrast. And so at the end of the day, what you think about this person is in way, in a lot of ways marred by other things. Mm-hmm. I also think about 
you know, taking it outside of the African context, you and I have both been to España. And we know about the dictator Francisco Franco. He ruled, for those of you who don't know, he ruled Spain from like 1939. That was the Spanish Civil War. 33. I want to say Spanish Civil War was early 30s through World War II up until the 70s. Um, and as dictatorships go, it was pretty bad. People don't know this, but a lot of Southern Europe was pretty broke. And so Spain was in a lot of ways a developing country up until it joined the EU. And so under Franco, it was the same thing. Some of the same mm-hmm. things that you're talking about under Rollins in terms of being afraid. People were killed. People yeah. were disappeared. Um, mm-hmm. Children were taken away from families of the opposition and given to families who are Franco supporters so that they could raise them right, I guess. There were a lot of atrocities um, committed under Franco. But it is because of Franco that Spain stayed stable. Um, they stayed out of World War II, which helped because they didn't have as much destruction as all the other countries around them. They also didn't fall to Nazi Germany. Um, and then when Franco died in the 70s, he gave rule back to the king who ushered in the era of democratization that Spain is now in, although the king is also his son. I know one of them, they got some kind of scandal going on. He he had to step down because he stole a lot of money and who knows? The Monarchies aside. <laughs> <laughs> and so you kind of have to acknowledge that we were both studying abroad in Cordoba, mm-hmm. which was a Basically, with Spain, it's in southern Spain. Southern Spain supported Franco. The other parts of Spain did not. Um, they, that's what the Spanish Civil War was about. They fought against him. And so even when we think about a leader like that, we do have to say, we, it's hard. And I guess the question is, how do you thread that needle when it's something that you experience personally? We talked about, or not talked about, but also thinking about something you didn't bring up, but um, is noted is that Rollins reconnected Ghana with Gaddafi's Libya because Ghana wasn't doing Ghana wasn't because Ghana wasn't doing Ghana wasn't Gaddafi Castro Fidel they spent a lot of time in Ghana like they, they would close down roads you know because they were there it's again those figures are complicated I often um I guess it depends on you and your experience and what's a flashpoint. For me, I really bristle when people talk about how sad it was that Gaddafi was assassinated because I'm from Sierra Leone and I know the role that he played in a, in, in our 10-year-long civil mm-hmm. war and the maiming and killing of millions of people. And so I guess, yeah, that's just the question. How do you parse these people? How do you parse through these complicated legacies and say something about them that is real, that is true, (laughs) that still acknowledges the pain that they inflicted. And that's whether it's a leader or it's a regular old person. I think with Africans, with human beings in general, it's it's not just Africans. I see it done everywhere. When someone dies, it's like, oh, well, you know, you, unless they're like Hitler, who I think that at least is one person we kind of universally accept that unless you're fringy right that like we're not parsing through the good things that he may have done we don't care if he gave you know if he helped the old lady cross the road at some point you say this person (laughs) the bad that they did outweighs any good they've ever done and they are just i mean unless you are like a nazi or something people aren't really praising him 
Mm-hmm. And it, it depends on like your angle too, because some of these leaders they are the equivalent of a Hitler for their for certain groups of people, right? If your whole family was wiped out by one of these African leaders who lived under Gaddafi's Libya, not that this is any better. I mean, if your parent was one of those who one of the parents who Rawlings and his regime killed, you saw a lot of glowing tributes. And even I was a little bit upset because I saw, you know, in, in international news, or what I read as somewhat glowing tributes. And my first thought was the what you all speak of isn't what I know. Yeah. Of this man. Fine, you know, things have been peaceful. And in the end, he ushered Ghana into the democracy that it is today. It wasn't uh, it until a lot of bloodshed. There is this really, 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 really terrible past to this man's legacy. And we need to mention it. Like we can't. And it was the same thing with Mugabe. Like we need to mention what happened the earlier parts of their rule were or the latter part of their rule was like it needs to be mentioned and it needs to be acknowledged because there are people who are still sitting here reeling from the hurt yeah their parents their siblings their loved ones well i think the part that's hard is that one i know when we talked i said you know uh the reason how i knew that it he passed is uh, i saw some posts that were really sad like they the, the way that they were written it was like almost like somebody grandpa and i was like no that face looks familiar hold up let me go you know what i mean and then i was like yeah. oh okay it was so and so so there are people who are genuinely sad about it and for them yeah. that dark part of his legacy is not the rollins that they i did also wonder like how much of that dark past do they know because a lot of folks at least the Ghanaian people because yes yes because some Ghanaians may not necessarily know because they may not have been born um yet or you know they don't talk about it and you said then you think about the kids the children of a lot of these people that he killed, how some of them have had to live and relive this experience in their life, those moments in their lives. And for them to see those tributes, like how are they taking it? How are they digesting it? A lot of these articles that I read kind of glossed over what happened. I just mentioned he staged two coups. He staged two successful coups. But a lot of people were murdered, some of whom were murdered in secret, some of whom were murdered for no reason other than they were judges trying cases in which some of the folks leading Ghana at that point in time were involved. And I mean, Rawlings has since said he was not involved in that. But my whole thing is, even if you weren't involved in it, you knew or should have known that it was going on. What did you do after it was done? They did, I mean, for the three judges, for example, they did try the folks that who they claimed had done it, and three of them were executed. But really, the bloodshed was on all of their hands. Yeah, who made the call? Um, like, these the guys call? didn't just show up and, you know... There's a person who shoot, then there's the leader who's making the call. And it's just, you know, there was never, at least in my knowledge, there was never an apology as to what happened. So when Kofor comes into power, it's important to note that they, Ghana attempts to do a truth and reconciliation 
exercise, basically. Now, this Truth and Reconciliation Commission was was thought to be useless because although they did their truth finding, there was no reconciliation. I mean, granted, they did make payments to people who'd been affected back then, but it wasn't all. And there was no express confrontation of Rawlings for the things that had happened, the fear that he'd instilled in the people, the death, the chaos that he'd caused in the country, the murders. There was no sort of confrontation. There was no apology ever given as a result of that. And those things are really helpful. I know Sierra Leone had one. I think South Africa had one. Rwanda had one. Uh, Morocco had one. Um, after the Morocco's was a little weird because it was the king's father who was doing all the stuff. And so they had like a truth and reconciliation commission once the new king was installed. But the stuff people were talking about was from the era of his dad. Um, and you know, especially in these places where justice is hard to come by, right? Like you say, these these judges, their their bodies were burned, or um, I know in, in the case of Sierra Leone, there are times where people were fired, killed by firing squad and then dumped into mass graves and nobody, same thing, nobody knows where they're actually living. Yeah. But having that space to come out and say, this happened to me, these people wronged me, and then, because I think with a lot of these commissions, there's no like, prosecution it's just kind of like i mean sometimes it just takes it just takes somebody saying you know i am sorry was wrong. for that wrong mm-hmm. so then i guess in the case of rollins my question is what would be your byline since you like to take the thing about bylines are that there, you know, it's kind of like our joke with our show opening, right? It's supposed to be, this is a show about the children of African immigrants growing up in America. It needs to be short. It needs to be sweet. And it needs to kind of like get to the heart of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you're you're right. And I think even on our social media, right? We just said Rollins ushered in two coups, but he's responsible for the democratization of modern Ghana or something like that. How would you change it to be a more accurate description in your mind that like more, a more balanced of what his legacy is. Cause I mean, you're also talking about, yes, yeah, democratization, but there's all these people who are afraid to speak. So that also impacts modern day Ghana, right? Like even inside even Ghana, I would assume, na- yeah. right? People even until now, there is still, there is still that of people still afraid because you never know. Yeah. So then what would you how would you change it? What would your like one or two sentences be under his picture or under his Wikipedia, <laughs> the opening? <laughs> Gosh, that is a good question. Perhaps the death of Jerry John Rawlings, the man who was leader of Ghana during some. Yeah, girl, that's not snappy. That's not. We we need it quick. <laughs> I might say, uh, former Ghanaian president. Jerry Rawlings passes, um, although he led Ghana into its modern democratization, there was a, oh, you know, I would do something really try to be poetic and be like, although he brought, he helped usher Ghana, Ghana into the light of democratization, he was responsible for many of the dark days or the dark tunnel before it, something like that. Um, so you kind of acknowledge that it wasn't you know, dark tunnel before it, including 
two military coups. Still not slappy clappy, but something along those lines that gives that balance. I, 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 I think language is interesting. And it is true that when you put a but or an although, mm-hmm. it lightens everything that came before it. And so maybe maybe part of it is the a lot of times the sentences about him are although he staged two military coups and even in our social media that's what it says he ushered Ghana into democratization so maybe it should be just kind of like the flip although he ushered Ghana into modern democratization his legacy is a complicated one his legacy is a complicated one given that he launched two military coups and you know it is interesting because it's public figures that we really like nitpick like this at I feel like when it's family you know we've seen the obituaries you know the funny ones where it's like daddy had like a whole other family and you know there's all this stuff going on but we don't say that we don't say that about me mom we don't say that about so it depends who is writing that because I have seen (laughs) the shade being thrown I have seen, but is it shade or is it putting the person's legacy in context? Because it's sometimes it's important for people to know the history behind the man who or the woman who lays in front of them in their casket. Like sometimes yeah. this is all a teaching lesson as well. It's good that we know the history of you know what's happened. It's already happened. Yeah, you can't change that. Well, I think even in the context of family feuds and things, it's just like it would just like if you were always beefing with your sister or your cousin or your auntie, then like make that plain. But we don't. We yeah. we try oh. to, um, especially around deaths, people just try to come together and smile and say he was a good man or she was a good woman, even though they know that's a lie from the pit of hell, even if they knew it was a lie from the pit of hell. Um, so... I don't know. I think it's also harder to do when you're personally involved. Um, so um, thank you, Nans, for, for sharing a little bit of what you know, helping us complicate the, all, I wouldn't say picture perfect. I don't think it really, but you know, complicate the, the, the give more flesh to the, to the Rollins story and background as someone who went through it and um, help us to better understand why some people aren't like posting RIPs and angel glows, you know, uh, Photoshop around his head and things like that. He was a, he was a, he was a human being like everyone else. Um, he did some, was responsible for some good things, but had some bad stuff too. Um, I guess my final thought too, is that unfortunately when you rule a country, that's almost guaranteed to be your fate in some ways. Like, but I don't doesn't need to be that horrific a fate. I don't mean in terms of I mean, there's always there, there's a difference, right, between um, actively going out and like this causing people to disappear and killing people by firing squad and unmarked graves and things like that. Mm-hmm. But I think all heads of state, no matter how good they are regarded, even some of our great leaders of the past who had to take the helm during like World War Two, right, like. You make decisions that involve harming big chunks of people. Yeah. Because you are the leader, you are the head of state, you're the president, the prime minister, whatever it is. And human beings are what we are, and it bees like that. Um, 
So I don't know. I mean, I guess that's the reason why I would never want. I never want to be president of nothing because I just feel like you just get. <laughs> no matter how good you are, you're going to be forced with a decision that you have to make about stuff that just directly or indirectly means there's blood on your hands whether righteously so or not it is what it is and i think um even if you go to religious figures that's technically that's what happened it was good to reflect happy that ghana is a democracy it's one of the best democracies right in africa right now so that is that is what it is, and some of that is in um, in due in part to Rollins. So thankful for that part of his legacy, and uh, thankful for the time to reflect on African leadership well, in general. There's definitely yeah. other people I would put on the. There are countless others, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, in regards to his his family, yeah, may they be comforted and may he rest in peace. Maybe a byline is, by his hands, Ghanaians suffered, and by those same hands, we were ushered into democracy. Oh, Ooh, I like that. That's our show for today. Like what you heard? I have an idea on a topic you'd like African.American to discuss? Let us know. You can email us at African.American, spelled out. African.American <laughs> at gmail.com. See you later. Yeah.